Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Football Podcast. As ever, thanks to Rehoy and Son for backing the show. Um, plenty to get into this week. Uh, we'll reflect on a dream start for the Green Lionesses. Reaction to their 6-1 debut win coming up. Yes, we got the result, but there were a lot more positives on the pitch to take away than and just winning the match so we'll yeah we're chuffed as coaches and we look forward to the next round we'll also look back at a mixed weekend for our men's sides as Guernsey FC lose again at Foots Lane and Velrec go down to a worldie of an own goal in the WeeWay plus with rep football ramping up we'll hear from the new coach of Guernsey's star trophy team Darren Sylvester has been telling us about his plans to do things differently this season um, that's all to come I'm Tony Kerr and with me this week it's the man himself Rob Batiste hello Tony <laughs> how are you I'm depressed, mate. I really am depressed. Uh, I've come out of retirement, as it were, over the last few days to fill in. And um, I'm afraid I've been a mode of a dog's breakfast of my reporting on Saturday's Saints-Bells game by getting managed to get two goal scorers wrong. My eyesight is clearly failing. (laughs) And um, so after that, I think I might, well, I say, crawl under back under my stone and and I might need to after today because I'm feeling a little bit, Chippy, to be honest. I want to get a few things off my chest. Right, we'll get on to that in a minute. I think you're very much the sort of Roy Hodgson of the Guernsey Press Football Podcast, though. You'll just keep coming back, I think. We'll never get rid of you. We'll see. (laughs) Um, We've got to start with the women because, um, yeah, it was a a momentous moment, really, for for women's football in Guernsey on Friday night. uh, The Green Lionesses going to Corinthian Casuals in the Isthmian League Cup. It's been a bit of a whirlwind summer for them, hasn't it? After Anna Govine and Katie Watson sort of stepped in very late before the Marathi and playing that game the first time um, a women's ratty had been played at Foots Lane um, for several years then the Island Games and then uh, off the back of that momentum um, GFC women um, getting up and running and they um, yeah they haven't had to wait that long for that first game as I say it came on Friday night and it went about as well as could have been hoped um, a hat-trick from Cody Laflemme a first half hat-trick um, getting them off to a flying start um, over in the UK on Friday night and then goals from Scarlett Keneally uh, Emily Pike and Elise Lalasha completing a perfect night and they were down at Foots Lane on Saturday afternoon um, to uh, receive the applause of uh, the Green Lions supporters and that's where our colleague Simon Delarue caught up with uh, the hero of the night Cody Laflemme and GFC women's coach Anna Govine. Um, so Anna talk me through your first ever match what was the experience like? Uh, it was a really good experience um, we turned up and started the game really strongly uh, it was pouring down with rain and we We'd come up with a game plan and we thought, do we stick at it or do we change it due to the conditions? But we stuck at it. Um, the girls went out all guns blazing to start with. They were keen to press and really kind of try and force mistakes at the back. And um, yeah, Cody came up with a goal after about 12, 12 minutes or so, which really um, gave the girls a good head start in that match. And then um, everyone was just fighting for everything. It was they were quite a physical side, but... Um, we seem to to be calm in possession and be able to create a lot of chances going forward. Um, yeah, by half time we were three 0 up thanks to Cody's finishing. But the the chances came through midfield and um, playing the balls into into Cody that was uh, higher up at the pitch. But at half time we were really chuffed. We had to make some changes due to an injury. But um, second half we we said we just need to stick with what we were doing and. Um, we'll hopefully see the game out. Uh, Corinthians came back a little bit stronger in the second half, um, caused us a few more 
problems than they did in the first half, but the girls stayed calm, they fought for everything, and um, yeah, we ended up coming out 6-1 winners, so it was a fantastic performance. And Corinthian casuals are only recently resurrected as a women's side, aren't they? Um, so difficult to know what to expect. You did say that you wanted goals beforehand. Could, did you imagine that you'd come away with six? Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, but as the game went on, they just seemed more and more confident. We asked them to put the um, back line under pressure and if they had any chance to to have a go. It was wet conditions. Um, once Cody had tested the keeper a couple of times, we thought, oh, we'll just go for it. And yeah, they, she wasn't the strongest, but the girls' strikes and the goals that they scored were fantastic. Um, yeah, Corinthians, uh, we didn't know much about them. Um, They've been playing in the league and they've got a few good results. So, yeah, we're really pleased to come our way with that result. And uh, Cody, congratulations on your performance on Friday night. Uh, first of all, talk me through uh, the goals. They were obviously all came in the first half and you had a hat trick by half time. Well, I didn't, I didn't expect to get three goals in that match, to be honest. But as soon as I scored the first goal, I knew I could do it again. So I just kept shooting. Tell me about that first goal. Uh, describe it to me. I just heard everyone shout and shoot, so I just went for it and I just shot and then deflected a bit and just went over her head. So. And tell me about uh, how you became involved in uh, Guernsey FC in the first place. What's been your journey in football so far? Well, I've been playing football since I was nine. I played for North for a while, but then when I was around 14, I quit for a couple of years and then I joined up again and then this has happened, so it's made my motivation much better to carry on and uh, how do you feel about the uh, the forthcoming season I know you don't have quite what the men have got yet which is a league season to be engaged in but obviously winning a cup game means you can continue in that uh, competition yeah I'm looking forward to it I'm looking forward to all the games that are coming up and for us to be able to show everyone what we, we can actually do and I understand that you're up against Bognor Regis next in this cup competition is that right that's right, they got a bye into the next round, so we already knew that um, the team that we would face if we got results. So, um, yeah, I think they're in the tier higher than what we played um, last night, so it'll be another challenge for us. And uh, just tell me about how you feel personally about the, the achievement. I mean, it's been quite a weekend. I'm sure you had quite a party uh, last night. How, what does it mean to you from an emotional point of view? Yeah, I'm buzzing and um, the response from it all as well is just people congratulating us um, on the win, which is a really good start for the Lionesses. But um, Katie, Scott and I were all speaking this morning about how much the girls listened to us and what they did on the pitch was exactly what we wanted and I said in a few interviews now is we wanted to score goals, we wanted it to be exciting, we wanted the girls to feel success and yes we got the result but there were a lot more positives on the pitch to take away than and just winning the match so we'll yeah we're chuffed as coaches and we look forward to the next round Anna Govine and Cody Laflemme speaking to Simon Deller and he also caught up with Nick Legg um, GFC director to find out what it meant to the club as a whole very excited to have our first fixture for the women's side and uh you know, we just wanted to get started and we did more than get started. We scored six goals and uh, won the game. So, you know, last night was a bit of a kind of pinch me moment because it seems a long, long time waiting for this to happen. And not only we made it happen, um, we've, we've gone away to a team with the history of Corinthian casuals and we really have made history of our own.
They got into the League Cup once upon a time. Uh, they've been recently resurrected, the opponents. Um, as with many of the matches that Guernsey FC's men have played in the past, very difficult to uh, figure out what the opponents are, are likely to be like. Um, tell me about the, um, the, the, the journey, the foray into this particular competition. How long have you known that you're going to be able to uh, get involved in the Isthmian Cup? It's only been a couple of weeks really so um, we hoped we were going to be in it but we didn't know for sure so um, Anna and the team have been planning um, as we would be in it but we, d we didn't really know obviously who we'd be playing when it would be um, and there has been a bit of change about that as well originally we were playing Corinthian casuals um, then they told us they were struggling to field a side so we were going to go straight through and play Bognor Regis and there was a last minute change uh, where Corinthian casuals said the fixture could happen um, and we'd had a bit of a mad dash to make sure uh, silly as it sounds that we had a kit to wear for the for the game and not only did we have a kit to wear um, but it was a fantastic team performance and um, so Bognor Regis uh, up next um, are you able to find out anything about them before you play them I think it's very difficult you know living here to, to find out information we will try and find out as much as we can um, but we're playing them in two weeks um, on a Wednesday night so there's not a lot of time to do that kind of preparation but I think at the moment for for Anna and Katie and the coaching team, they're focusing on the Green Lionesses. They're focusing on the style they want us to play um, and focusing on just getting that match time. And everything else um, is a bonus, but you know, it's football. So when you step over that white line, you want to win. Um, that's what we did last night. We deserve now to be in the next round. We don't know how uh, tough the the opposition are going to be but what we do know is we can concentrate on ourselves um, and if we play anywhere near the way we played last night uh, we've got a chance of scoring goals and uh, the carrot is huge isn't it because if uh, if you are successful in that tie there's a possibility then that you, if you're lucky in the draw you might get a home competitive fixture in a season where you hadn't anticipated you'd have one yeah, I mean, that would be a real game changer. People keep asking when are the Green Lionesses going to play at home and uh, we really want to bring a game here to Foots Lane and I'm, I'm sure there would be a fantastic turnout and that the girls would have amazing support. So that's something we want to happen, but we've got to kind of make it happen. We've got to have a bit of luck um, and obviously, you know, the draw has got to go our way and, uh, you know, no, as a club, uh, the men's team, when we were in the Cups, we were never particularly lucky when it came to home draws, but... Uh, Obviously, it is luck of the draw, so we'll see what happens. But if we don't get a home tie, we are determined to have a home fixture here at Fritz Lane so the Guernsey public can really get behind the Lionesses. Nick Legg speaking to Dell there. Um, yeah, fantastic evening for the Green Lionesses on Friday night. They go to Bognor Regis, uh, as we just heard, um, in the next round in just a couple of weeks' time. So that momentum um, will really build for them. And uh, yeah, Rob, it'll be interesting to see whether... Well, I suppose how the rest of the season pans out now and whether they will and can get into a league for next year. Yeah, um, it's great to see that they've actually come together. There's something positive happening in women's football because, let's face it, um, it's been severely lacking or absent for many, many years. Um, so good luck to the girls. Um, as for a league, phew, that's a big step up, unless it's a very small league, of course. Um, I think um, making small strides and positive strides in the first instance is probably the best thing. So I hope they don't get too um, over-ambitious. But as I say, it's great to see something moving because it was desperately needed. Yeah, and I went down to um, their final training session actually before they went away and there was a fantastic buzz around the Aztec Centre and around that group. 
um, you know, some of the more experienced players, shall we say, in age terms, probably rather than um, footballing wise in terms of recent years. Um, but yeah, real mix of experience and then um, some genuine youth as well who are, who are kind of chomping at the bit for this opportunity. So yeah, it seems like what they're doing this season by entering a couple of cup competitions and hopefully getting a couple of friendlies as well, maybe back here on home soil, be nice to see. So uh, it seems to be the way to go and we'll, um, yeah, we're following uh, their progress every step of the way here at the Guernsey Press. And what a week it's been overall for Guernsey's women. Um, Maya Letizia, of course, as she has done for, for years now, um, leading the way, um, proving uh, once again what a star she is, um, making her Champions League debut with Manchester United um, last week, a one-all draw against PSG. Um, in fact, the club's Champions League debut as well, the first time they've appeared in Europe's um, elite club competition. Um, so they take that one-all draw back to Paris with them on Wednesday night. Um, that's going to be an intriguing and massive second leg for Mark Skinner's side. Um, and not just that for Mayor, she was on the score sheet on Sunday, yesterday, bagging the equaliser as uh, United fought back to draw one all with Leicester City. Um, if they can get that win in Paris um, on Wednesday night, um, it will be a week to remember and they'll be into the group stages of the Women's Champions League. Well, let's move on to the, the men's side of things, Rob, because... Oh, do we as, have to? Do we have to, Tone? Not quite as rosy a picture at the moment for GFC. Um, yeah, another defeat for them on Saturday afternoon at Foots Lane. It's fair to say they haven't had their fair share of luck uh, over the uh, the kind of winless run that they're now on since that opening day win. And it continued that way for sure on Saturday afternoon against Ashford Town. From what I saw of the game, and I didn't see it all, but I got down there for the uh, for the final stages. Um, you know, it was sort of very much in the balance. They didn't look massively threatened, but uh, as has been the case, uh, the visitors found a way to to win. Capitalised on a moment um, towards the end of the game, in fact, right at the death to uh, to steal all three points. Um, here's how Tony Vance reacted to it at full time. I suppose if you if you want to know what it's like managing Guernsey FC, that was it really. You know, in terms of better team on the pitch. Should have been ahead. Um, they didn't really look like scoring. Um, I don't think Josh Josh had a save of note to make. Okay, there was a couple of sort of sweep ups for him, um, and, and that one right at the end, you know, just just cruel blow in it, um, smash and grab, uh, and uh, you know that, that's that's managing Guernsey FC. <laughs> that's what it can be like at times, but. Uh, you know, I think the signs are there that we're getting there, but it were, you know, ultimately it's about scoring, it's about creating chances. Um, the frustrating thing today is we had we had two glorious chances um, in the first half. We should have been one nil up, maybe two nil up, um, with Keynes and, and Matties. Um, and uh, I thought we were comfortable, to be honest, throughout, throughout the game. Um, but um, smash and grab for them. And uh, you called the players in there for a quick word at the end. What did you have to say to them? Words of encouragement, words of uh, cheering them up or what? Well, it's just, you know, there's a little bit of shell shock from, from us because, you know, we didn't deserve that. Um, but um, what, I, what I keep banging on to them and keep saying, I'll say this in the media, well, this is the long game. You know, we made a conscious decision to sort of, to sort of not start again, if you like, but sort of start progressing towards the next two years. Um, almost like right off um, a period of time where we, you know, we're, we're sort of plugging away. We're, we're, some of them are serving their apprenticeships as such, and and uh, we, we want we want to start where we can um, have a foundation to improve and develop the players, improve their experience. Um, along the way, they're going to take a couple of jab shots and and to the chin, and uh, 
yeah. and maybe a few knockout punches but ultimately um, if they're prepared to work and that's what I've said to them you know like it needs to be a they've got all the information all the all the tools they've got all the, the um, analysis um, you know the, the training the coaching um, and, and uh, we now need to put the hours in um, on and off the pitch to uh, to be in a position where we can get better and uh, and you know they we want them to buy into that and I think we've got a group here that can do that and a home debut for Niall Hainsworth today who had a very bright performance I thought especially in the first half yeah, I mean, when you consider that's his second game, um, Owen's third, I think. You know, the two of them, um, uh, obviously Jack as well, um, so he didn't play today, but, um, you know, they're, they're raw, eh? they're, they're young and, and um, they're getting an opportunity at this level and uh, they're showing that they can they can um, sort of handle themselves at this level, which is fantastic, plus they're young, plus they're, they want to learn. And um, so that's that's great. It's fantastic, and you know it improves the group, and, and that's what we want to see. And uh, it's not the first time that Guernsey FC have played two matches in a weekend, but this time you only played one of them. What did you make of what happened last night uh, when the women made their debut away? Ah, oh, fantastic! I was really pleased for them. Um, you know, it's obviously been building. They've been wanting that game, and. Um, I think you've only got to just look at the amount of comments and the amount of feedback that they've had. Um, you know, they're pioneers now of the um, of the women's game in Guernsey, and uh, you know they've got a real opportunity, like we did 12 years ago, to sort of to, to take things forward, um, and inspire youngsters. There's loads of girls playing out there that, that might want to be, um, you know, in that Guernsey FC women's team. So they, you know, they've got that sort of first dibs at that, if you like, and and to start it off with a win was brilliant and great for them because they can. They can sort of, um, you know, progress now, and, and um, they've got something to work from. Um, obviously, the next round's going to be tough. They're going to be playing a team like Bognor Regis, who probably um, are going to have a little bit more than Quinton Casuals did last night. But um, they're a young side as well, and uh, as I said, it's great to see, and it's good for the club. You know, it's sort of, um, well, as I say, women's football's going going through the roof, and um, as I said, it, the one thing they didn't have women girls was uh, once they get to 16 they didn't have a team so um, it's fantastic that from a pathway point of view a kid can can inspire to sort of to, to have that opportunity and it's good that we've given them the forum to do it. Tony speaking to Simon Delarue there yeah really tough run um, for GFC um, they go away next to Hamworth Filler and then back home against the Met Police um, in a couple of Saturdays time uh, I think Met Police sort of down towards um, the bottom of the early Isthmian South Central table as well so um, that will potentially present um, a good opportunity if they can get a couple of um, you know the star names back on the pitch Ross Allen is, is back in the island um, but uh, hasn't been available yet or certainly hasn't been um, uh, fully fit just yet and Chant Govine has been away after his ban so um, if they're back for that could be a good boost um, Rob I know you wanted to talk about GFC because you've been you've been thinking a bit recently about um, the way the squad is put together and, and, and how the selections are actually impacting the pre-league yeah um, to be honest I've been thinking about all that parts of Guernsey football and GFC is just a major part of it um, and I must admit I was it's very very disappointing the way things are going at the moment you know will these run of defeats but when you look at the squad it, you can't say you're surprised you know it's become progressively weaker over the over the years it's becoming now very young team an inexperienced team although of course you've got the likes of Dave Meris who is um, an exception to that rule um, but no, the thing that really got me going and um was when I, you know, was seeing North struggle, to be honest, um, in the 
for a couple of Prio games and a couple of Cup games, you know, and a North having to sort of deal without seven or eight first-team starters because they're acquired for GFC. And I can't help thinking that it's just too much, really, and I just don't think it should be allowed. I tell you a story going back many, many years, going back to about 2010 when GFC was set up. I was involved in that formation and involved with the the key discussions regarding sponsorship, which allowed it to happen. And we came away from them in their sponsorship meetings and Steve Jusnip, who, of course, who was um, GFC president for many, many years, turned around and we said, well, Rob, what role do you want? And I turned it down saying, listen, I can't do it, Steve, because I'm sports editor. I just think it would be impossible to do. But I really do regret it now because some of the things have happened and the way the club have gone about things over the, the years really disappoint me. And in particular is this um, the way that they've, you know, been put themselves obviously above everybody else, but I think it's for the, to the detriment of the local clubs and local game, which I think is really, really um, disappointing. Um, you can't tell me that it is good that a club, for example, like North, who are 130, about 130 years old, with a record number of Channel Islands titles, Upton wins, are in a situation now, well, you know, that there's no chance that they're going to win an Upton this year, even if they win the Preo, when they are have been stripped of so much of their talent. And I can, you know, you think of the people at North who have put in a lot of voluntary work over the years. They must be really gutted at that. You know, it's great that these youngsters are getting a chance to play for GFC, and I am 100% behind the fact that GFC is there and it's at the top of local game. But I just think... It's gone too far when it comes to you know this selection, and because it's it's decimating the chances and the prospects of going to teams when they are, you know, utilising so many players from one club. It's North at the moment. It could be Sylvans in future, or Rangers, or whatever. And I just know from my own involvement in club football in the last eighteen months or so. That if it did happen to Rangers, and suddenly Rangers were have worked very hard to put themselves in a in a decent position, decent position, <laughs> they lost so many players to GFC. I think I'd be really, really, really disappointed. But but what upsets me more than anything, it needn't happen. And this is where we come back to the clubs. The clubs could help themselves, and it's really this lack of unanimity in the local game, the lack of direction, the lack of leadership. Which really disappoint me, disappoints me. You know, we really do need to look at ourselves seriously. Kevin Gillies said a few weeks ago that he thought we were over-egging the fact, you know, the point that Guernsey were miles behind Jersey. We would never win, you know, Ratties again, etc. Well, I'm afraid I think he's, you know, he's wrong. You know, I think the record, the, the results are are there. You know, we've lost two more WeeWay games this this weekend. Admittedly, they were quite close. Or very close, but we, you know, the Jeremy has been a disaster for us this year again. What chances have we got? The you know the Guernsey champions turning over the Jersey champions in Upton. I think it's very very remote. I really do. I you know the Premier League standard this year is very very poor, very poor. It's very open, but it's very poor. I just think 
we really do need to all come together, all aspects of the local game, and look at where Guernsey can turn turn things around. And it will require every single part of Guernsey football to achieve that. And that means the GFA, GFC, clubs, GFLM, all working with a common goal to, to achieve that. But it's certainly not happening. And I think it's um, it's very, it's depressing. It really depresses me because I look at things now and I just, I don't see anything improving. And it's a shame because throughout Guernsey football, so many people are putting so much great work in, so many hours in terms of, you know, keeping their clubs going. Most of the clubs have got their own ground to maintain and to clubhouses to maintain. Most clubs have got, Ten, upwards of 10 teams competing over each season, running minis every every week. And a lot of those minis, of course, end up, well, some of those minis will end up playing for GSE. That's great. But we're, I think we're, for, we're, we're underestimating and the importance and the role of the local clubs. And I think something needs to be done. Otherwise, I, I don't see much of a future for Guernsey football. And I guess from the player's perspective, you know, it's up to a player where they want to play and, and how far they want to push themselves. Of course, yeah. I agree with that. If Tony Kerr wants to play for GSC, great on him. No problem at all. But when, if I think if Tony Kerr is a linked to one club, has you know, has come through one particular club and who, who have put so much effort over the years, then suddenly seven of his teammates who have also come through the same club get taken away from that club at the, once. I just think it's um, a poor show and I think it's cruel and I don't think it basically shouldn't happen. I personally would put a limit of four players per every game, every GFC game, they shouldn't be allowed to pick more than four players from one GFA club. What do you think Tony Vance would say to that? He won't like it. Of course he won't like it, but he's being protective. And this is the part of the problem. You know, Tony Grant wants to look after himself. I understand that. The clubs want to look after themselves. I understand that. But there must be some middle ground. If Guernsey football is to move on, we need to come up with some solutions because it's not working at the at the moment. It really isn't working. Um, so that's why I'm depressed. <laughs> <laughs> I, fundamentally, we'd really need to get people around the table and have some serious talking about how we can take, take the, the game forward because... I'm sorry, it's it's going backwards. Well, plenty more uh, chat on that, I'm sure, over the coming weeks. We'll, um, yeah, we'll pick up uh, with some of the key players uh, on those points, Rob. Um, let's just get back to what happened on the pitch over the weekend. You mentioned those narrow wee-way defeats in Jersey. Um, uh, Rovers uh, went down 1-0 at St. Peter. It was 0-0 at half-time there, but um, yeah, they couldn't find a way through. Um, but the, uh, the game of the weekend... Uh, for incident and excitement, I'm sure uh, across uh, the Channel Islands really would have been St. Brellard, Vell Rec, um, which finished 4-3 to the Jersey side. And uh, yeah, quite extraordinary ending um, involving uh, Samuel Hero. Yeah, my nephew. <laughs> <laughs> I should be having words with him when I see him. Yeah, no, can't let that go. But he just scored an absolutely amazing worldy goal to get Velrec level at 3-3, having been 2-0 and 3-1 down. And then he's racing back to um, to help cover a Sombrellard attack. The ball comes in from the right. He seemingly, um, the video I've seen, just sticks his leg out 
to try and in, intervene and the ball hits hits his left foot and then flies t- good 25 30 yards into the top of the top of top of top corner leaving the goalkeeper no chance no chance one of the most spectacular own, g- own goals you'll ever see oh, it was a perfectly cushioned side foot volley into the to the top corner as you say <laughs> uh yeah very very cruel very very unfortunate and um no it's a shame because Velrec having a good season and uh, it would have been great if we'd had a, a a contender in the wee way, but it's not to be. Just look at the Jersey full-time page. Uh, one thing that does stick out as well is that, what are we, 16th of October today and St. Clement haven't played a premiership game yet, which which is kind of extraordinary, isn't it? But that does show something about the difference between the two islands, you know. Here we are in early in October and Rangers and North have played each other four times. I know um, three of those occasions have been in a cup competition, but nevertheless, it just seemed a bit bizarre. Yeah, and there was another Rangers-North uh, encounter on Friday night. Uh, North 4-0 winners in that one, Rob. Um, Sylvans beat Alderney 4-2 over the weekend and Saints um, 2-1 winners at Bells. I know you're down there for that one. Yeah, um, that was a, a game of... Um, of lamentable standard, shall we say, not only on the pitch, but also in the reporting of it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> having failed to get the goal scored, isn't it? Um, no, um, t- I was really, really taken by how poor Saints were, to be honest. You know, CI champions just two years ago, and um, or less than that, um, how they've um, subsided. And um, it's not going to help them, the fact that they've got Louis Hunter and George Mason heading off on their travels um, and they've lost Tom Yomit seemingly um, they, no it's um, they really did struggle and on another day they would have been Bells would have been out of sight um, by half time and believe me Bells weren't very good either Oh, well, not much to enjoy then, Rob. No, I'm afraid not. Well, let's finish with a bit more positivity because one man who is um, looking forward uh, with some optimism is Darren Sylvester. Um, He's taken over this season uh, as the league coach of Guernsey's under-15s. We'll be uh, getting that squad ready for the Star Trophy uh, next spring. Yeah, Rob, obviously this is a fixture that we've not enjoyed a tremendous amount of success in. No, but at least they've made an early appointment on that one. In contrast to the under-21s. The under-21s match against Jersey is only three weeks away. And um, here we are. Nobody seems to know who's coaching the team. Not good. Well, there was a job um, advert that went out, wasn't there, a few weeks ago. That that process closed. So we'll, um, I suppose, we'll wait and see uh, sort of how quickly someone's put into position. But you're right, it's not far away, is it, this year? The, no, the under-21 game. There's certainly not going to be much preparation. Yeah, that's back to its uh, sort of previous November slot. Yeah, which is a good idea. But, um, you know, as I say, it, we're not helping ourselves in terms of preparation by delaying things so late. Well, let's, uh, yeah, as I say, let's hear a bit of positivity then to end the show this week. Um, yeah, Darren Sylvester, who, as we say, has um, taken over the Star Trophy squad. Um, uh, join me for a chat uh, in our pod studio here at the Guernsey Press to tell us about his plans for the season, how he wants to get that side um, well prepared for the Jersey encounter and how he hopes it can um, set those players up as well for a positive future in the game. I began by asking Darren, though, just to tell us a bit about himself and his background in football. So I guess I played from age of nine, ten back in the days when there were no kind of age constraints around football through Valrec and stayed with Valrec, played until probably 28, um, 17, 18, dislocated both shoulders um, and kind of over the years kind of fell out of the game a little bit. Um, And then when my son was four, as a lot of people do, watching from the sidelines and then I got dragged in by Lee Manning down at Valrec and then 
started doing my coaching badges. So uh, level one, level two, and then UA for B. Um, and yeah, so kind of completely fell back in love with football um, and yeah, happy to give as much of my time to it as possible. Yeah, fantastic. And you've taken on a new role this season, um, heading up the under-15s, the Star Trophy squad. Um, just uh, give us the, the sort of the background to that, why you wanted to uh, to get involved in that particular age group and, and that's sort of how it came about. Yeah, um, so I've been involved with the academy now for somewhere between five and ten years. Um, and I guess I, I guess we kind of had a, this kind of transient nature of coaches moving through at this kind of age group. Um and obviously the, the results haven't been great. Um, and I just thought, you know what, I think I'd, I can put some energy into this now. I kind of moved away from club coaching. So I had some time spare. Um, and obviously GFA had invested in me in terms of the UEFA B qualification. So I thought if I don't get back in now, it almost goes to waste. So actually, um, yeah, got involved and hoping to make a difference. Have you started training yet? Have you got a squad together? Yeah, so we've kind of pulled away from um, the normal approach of previous seasons, which is to keep the squad or a large squad together for the season um, and then kind of slimming that down ahead of the game. Um, so we've gone for a, a trial approach at the start of the season. So um, all of the players that were involved in the academy last season, plus those put forward by their teams, um, have kind of come through to us um, over three weeks um, and whittled them down from there kind of thing. And it's just um, put a few constraints in within the trial process in terms of no going to ground, no goalkeepers kicking because we wanted that really kind of early doors in terms of what we wanted to go forward. Um, and then, yeah, now we're left with a squad. We've had two training sessions. Um, and yeah, we're looking forward to kind of seeing what we can do and how we can kind of sculpt the, the group going forward. Yeah, awesome. And yeah, obviously the results um, kind of across the board at all age groups uh, up to senior were, were tricky last season. In fact, the last couple of years have been pretty slim pickings um, for, for us. Uh, what's your view on, I say what went wrong or what's been going wrong, but, but what is your focus in terms of, uh, yeah, I suppose, improving the prospects for, for particularly the under-15s? Yeah, well, I think um, by nature, and I'm kind of a kind of a, I do work as a career coach, and I'm always talking about people being future focused. So not looking back, looking, you know, concentrating on your strengths and always looking forward. So um, in terms of that, um, I just want to kind of, um, I guess we're kind of working with the players to, you know, if you look back. Uh, let's just look back over the years. Guernsey hasn't scored, haven't scored a lot of goals at this level. Um, so we want players to kind of be brave. So we want to take that risk, have that kind of risk averse nature removed a little bit. Um, we want players playing off the front foot. Um, we're very much looking at a 4-3-3 with lots of um, spending our time on passing variations and overlapping and that kind of thing. And you find at this stage, players are quite passive. Um, so we want to kind of take that kind of reactive element out of it and be proactive and kind of get them moving off the ball and stuff like that. So we're concentrating on that in training sessions a lot, I think. Um, and we'll hope to see that kind of coming out in our kind of game plan for the season. Um, and we've got five friendies between now and Christmas. I think probably hadn't had enough of that in the future. So early doors, I've worked with Gary to get lots of games on the agenda. Um, and I know some of them are probably into or into academy or into kind of rep team friendlies, but it's just an opportunity to go, okay, let's practice the thing. Now let's try and put it into, into a game situation, see what happens and then work on it kind of on that kind of um, progressive basis. Yeah, getting those players playing as a team as well. I mean, that, that's been one of the, the kind of criticisms, I think, in the last couple of years that that, um, that the preparation hasn't been there. And okay, I, I guess uh, the comeback on that is it's easier said than done, particularly in terms of you know, getting squads away to, to experience um, different opposition 
I mean, England or, or wherever. I mean, is that a possibility this season? Have you, have you got kind of capacity 100%, funds to do that? 100%, yeah, yeah. I was kind of when I spoke to Gary about it at the start of the season, I said we have to be aspirational because if we aren't, then the players. How can we ask them to be aspirational? I said so. As an organisation, we have to be aspirational. So we're looking at um, two options. One is to kind of body up with GFC and maybe get away when they go and play away play a youth team, either the team they're playing or in that kind of close proximity. Um, and also we kind of really want to get um, an academy team, go over and play an academy team as well. So a couple of trips, um, obviously that brings with it costs. Um, so we are kind of looking for, for sponsorship and we're also kind of doing our own little bit. Um, we've got our first fundraising event, start of December quiz. And what we want to do in terms of, we want to kind of create this kind of team spirit. So what we're trying to do is split the group up into four, um, so we'll have kind of fundraising teams as well. It's an opportunity to put groups of fours and fives together to go, okay, so this is what we're going to do. So now you've got to go away. And again, it's that kind of um, giving their own responsibility, you know, 14, 15, they're old enough now to go, right, let's pull together a quiz. Okay. Um, they're going to come and help me. They don't know it yet from the group. <laughs> come and help me cook the night before to cook the food for it. Um, surf and turf. Jason down there has already kind of kindly donated the amount of meat that we're going to need for a bolognese for our first session. So it's all about all those little things kind of build, build, building that kind of um, culture, that belonging togetherness, um, because you don't get the end product uh, to be as great as you want it to be if you don't do that kind of work on those those smaller points. So. Yeah, those games away from home, what likely to come after Christmas. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It sounds like a really nice idea as well to, to to travel with GFC, I guess, an opportunity for the younger players to sort of see how, how the senior kind of players in, in Ireland football kind of conduct themselves and, and, and what, what goes into a match day, I suppose. Yes, yeah. And, you know, we could... Um, we could say try and get away to um, to watch a professional game, a premiership or whatever. But I think it's something nice about, you know, there's lots of youngsters that go and watch GFC in the home games. Um, so actually, yeah, go away, maybe play in the morning, go and watch GFC in the afternoon and then come back together. And like I said, watching how they kind of get on, they can conduct themselves, how they warm up before the games, because all the kind of things that we want to work on. Um, and I kind of Before we started speaking, I talked about professionalising. So things like actually having a, a you know, um, alongside kind of Geordie and myself, Matt Dorian's come in and uh, he's going to help us kind of focus in a bit more on strength and conditioning side. So having that kind of dynamic activation, work out before every training session, before every game. So it's all those small kind of layering and building blocks to get us to where we want to be in the future. Yeah, and I guess that word professionalization, you know, it, some people hear that thing, oh, that's, you know, you're, you're going to be putting too much pressure on players or it's kind of beyond where they need to be. But actually... Um, you know, as you said before, the young players want to see a bit of ambition in the, the setup they're in as well. And if you can deliver that, uh, yeah, you, you're, is that the idea that you're sort of gearing them up for, for what's to come as well? Yeah. And we just kind of, like I said, we we're talking about aspiration before. We just want, if we can kind of go, right, we have done everything we can to put you in a position to become better footballers and, and better people. Um, and that's all we're trying to do, really. So, yeah, in terms of pressure, um, like I spoke to you before, there'd be no t talking about winning and losing. I kind of think about losing in, in terms of learning. So you don't lose, you learn, you know. You're always going to do something probably wrong if you haven't if you haven't won a game. So it's how then do you go take it to training and go, actually, let's try and reduce the chance of doing this in the future. Um, and in terms of winning, it's just purely a byproduct. So of all the things you do well, you know, the probability increases. So winning is just a byproduct of everything else. So um, as you're doing everything else, layering up all those building blocks in place, then your outcome, you know, that kind of upward kind of curve trajectory um, increases 
um, based on that. So. Yeah. And is that, um, is this kind of slight change in terms of preparation? Is that something very much that you're driving at under 50 level or is, it, is there a concerted effort now across the board at the age groups to to kind of improve the preparation ahead of the Marathis? Yeah, I think, you know, I think it'll be like best practice. I mean, obviously said George, Jordan's kind of um, helping me on the 15s. I'm supporting him on the 16s. So we'll try and bit by bit, we'll kind of look, actually, I'm doing that quite well. And George, why don't you do it from the 16s? Or actually, I like what you've done there. You know, so we've got that continuity now, which maybe we didn't have before. And like I said, that transient nature of coaches where you're kind of coming in and, and you're just moving through. Again, nobody's fault. I was part of that. And we just kind of, that was the model. So now we've kind of got this model, which feels a bit more robust. Um, and hopefully because of that, We'll learn over the course of the years and, you know, just like in a normal kind of project environment, at the end of the season, we'll do a lessons learned. You know, what can we refine? What can we do better next season? Um, and I'm kind of almost looking at this like a proof of concept, really. So what can I do this season? Record everything I do, all of the sessions, you know, how we've kind of interacted with parents, you know, what has worked, what hasn't. And then try and have that as a model going forward. So we kind of create something that's actually there in concrete as well, um, which is always really difficult because everyone's so busy, you know, especially with things like session plans, et cetera. So we can put something in place that someone else in the future can pick up and go, okay, I've got a structure here for the season. I'll just kind of tweak it to, to base on my own kind of delivery. For you as a, as a relatively uh, novice coach at the kind of this level, um, how rewarding are you finding it so far already to, to kind, of get, kind of get your teeth into, it, I guess? Yeah, I think, you know, hopefully we'll see over time as well the players continue to buy into it. I think we've got a really good group, really kind of um, a group with large potential. Um, and I was saying to you before about our playing style. So when we went into the trial process, rather than saying we want to select the best or what we perceive to be the best 16 players at this age group, although we've only selected 15 at the moment, um, what we did is said, right, how many players do we want in these areas? So, and what type of players do we want? So we're playing 4-3-3. What does that mean? It means, you know, we need good technical central midfielders. So we've picked good technical central midfielders. What do we need in terms of the fullbacks? Um, okay, we want to really play an overlapping fullback game. You know, we've got a certain amount of demographics. So how many players have we got? So we might have an attacking fullback and one that inverts. Um, so we've looked, tried to look at that rather than just picking, you know, just going through. Um, we tried to pick players as well that are kind of keen on their own self-development. Um, and I think it's really important that especially at this age that they're going away from their training sessions with a club and, and within our environment as well and, and working. So one of the things that we've done is we introduced a strength and conditioning test. We did that a couple of weeks ago. So Matt ran that and we just used three indications of kind of a standing broad jump. Um, sounds sounds horrible, but a press, <laughs> press up beep test. That does sound uh, horrible. <laughs> and a minute, a minute over hurdles. And it kind of shows that, you know, football is a kind of a power sport, you know, being to get, so we've kind of used that. We've identified areas. And now what we're going to do is package up ways that they can um, increase those kind of areas and strength, et cetera. But it's up to them, their own responsibility to go away and do the work required. And we'll test them again in the middle of the season. Uh, and again, probably in March time to see how they've got on. And you should be able to see. So it's not about where you are in the group. It's about individually. There's what you got. Let's see if you can better it next time. And we should be able to tell by the work they've put in outside of um, outside of football, whether they have done or not. Well, um, it seems like you're you're trying to push it forward this season. Um, yeah, Darren, thanks so much for coming in and telling us about it. And um, yeah, best of luck. We'll, we'll check in later on in the year. Yeah, excellent. Thank you very much, Tony. Darren Sylvester speaking to me there. All the best to him and his squad um, this season. We'll, um, we'll touch base with them um, nearer at the time, I'm sure. That is just about <laughs> it from us. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll get Rob out the studio before he, uh, uh, yeah, before he sort of 
falls over deeper into his well of despair. Um, it's been fun having you here, Rob, and we'll uh, we'll catch you soon. Well, I'm sorry I've, I've cast such a depressing um, tone on the programme this week, but um, there we are. That's the way I feel about things at the moment, I'm afraid. And as I say, I try to be honest and, um, yeah, that's the way it is. Well, we've got plenty more football to come. Um, a full slate of league fixtures this weekend. It's Wreck against North, which will be very interesting on Friday night. Um, Alderney against Rovers um, on Saturday, along with Rangers, Bells and Sylvans, St. Martins. As we say, GFC also um, away from home. Um, so we'll be back next week with uh, yeah more local football chat and, and reaction to those games. So, um, yeah. I'm Think sure we'll... to be more positive next week. <laughs> we'll find someone happy to talk to you, Rob, next week. Uh, thanks very much. Uh, we'll see you soon. Cheers.